Welcome to Walker of Worlds podcast. My name's Rachel and this is the podcast where we step behind the veil to take a look at some long lost and little known spooky stories and urban legends. Mattoon is a city in the US state of Illinois. According to the 2020 census, approximately 17,000 people live in an area of just 10 and a half square miles. The city is about 180 miles south of Chicago. Records show that people settled in the area to farm the land and keep cattle. Life in Mattoon really began to flourish when the railroads arrived in the mid to late 19th century. The area's first newspaper was released in 1856, and the first public school was also established in the same year. Like many small towns in America, when a town came to life, it happened fast. Mattoon is now home to several big businesses, including Agricultural Supplies Rural King, a pet food plant, a bakery and a shopping mall. Mattoon also has a train station and is served daily by a handful of trains. 1940s America seems to have been a crazy time. There were UFO flaps, strange beings in the skies and all manner of oddness taking place across the country. The tiny city of Mattoon was not immune to some of this craziness. In September 1944, many men in Mattoon were away fighting in World War II. Paranoia was at an all-time high with the ever-present threat of the Nazis hanging in the air. UFOs and the like definitely weren't helping the situation. Grant Avenue is a residential street in the north of the town. On the morning of August 31st, 1944, Urban Raff was awakened during the early hours of the morning by a strange odour. He felt nauseated and weak and suffered from a fit of vomiting. Suspecting that he was suffering from domestic gas poisoning, Rafe's wife tried to check the kitchen stove to see if there was a problem with the pilot light, but found that she was partially paralysed and unable to leave her bed. Later that night, a similar incident was also reported by a young mother living close by. She was awakened by the sound of her daughter coughing, but found herself unable to leave her bed. The next day, September 1st, there was a third reported incident. A Mrs. Kearney of Marshall Avenue, Mattoon, reported smelling a strong, sweet odour around 11pm. At first she dismissed the smell, believing it to be from flowers outside of the window, but the odour soon became stronger and she began to feel like she was losing her legs. Mrs. Kearney panicked and her calls attracted her sister, Mrs. Reddy, who was in the house at the same time. Mrs. Reddy also noticed the odour and determined that it was coming from the direction of the bedroom window, which was open at the time. The police were contacted, but no evidence of a prowler was found. At around 12.30am, Bert Kearney, Mrs. Kearney's husband, he was a local taxi driver who was absent during the time of the attack, returned home to find an unidentified man hiding close to one of the house's windows. The man fled and Kearney was unable to catch him. Kearney's description of the prowler was of a tall man dressed in dark clothing and wearing a tight-fitting cap. This description was reported in the local media and became the common description of the gasser through the Mattoon incident. After the attack, Mrs Kearney reported suffering from a burning sensation on her lips and throat, which were attributed to the effects of the gas. Initially, it was suspected that robbery was the primary motive for the attack. At the time of the incident, the Kearneys had a large sum of money in the house and it was surmised that the prowler could have seen Mrs Kearney and her sister counting it earlier that evening. Local newspapers incorrectly reported this incident as being the first gasser attack. In the days following the Kearney attack, there were half a dozen similar attacks, though none of the reported victims were able to provide a clear description of the prowler and no clues were found at the scene of the attacks. The first specimen of physical evidence was found on the night of September 5th, when Carl and Balua Cordes of North 21st Street returned home around 10pm. After spending a few minutes in the house, they noticed a piece of white cloth, slightly larger than a man's handkerchief, sitting on their porch next to the screen door. 
The lower cords picked up the cloth and smelled it. As soon as she inhaled, she became violently ill. She described the effect as being similar to an electric shock. Her face quickly began to swell. She experienced a burning sensation in her mouth and throat and then began to vomit. As with other victims, she also reported feeling weak and experiencing partial paralysis of her legs. Blue Accords later hypothesised that the cloth had been left on the porch in order to knock out the family dog, which usually slept there, so that the prowler could gain access to the house unnoticed. The evenings were warm and sultry, the perfect end to the summer, so many people were leaving their windows open. People were reporting seeing a shadowy figure fleeing the scene after each attack, melting into the darkness of the lengthening nights. Hysteria soon set in. Roving bands of townspeople armed with shotguns and pistols stalked the community at night, searching for the perpetrator of the alleged attack, who was quickly dubbed the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Women carried bats and clubs with them whenever they left the house, and residents began staying with friends rather than sleeping alone. But despite following up a string of leads, the police were stumped, says Historic Mistress. Even the FBI could not come to a concrete decision about what was happening in Mattoon. During this period, there was also an increase in physical evidence of attacks being reported, ranging from footprints allegedly being discovered underneath windows to tears being found in window screens. On September 5th, Mrs. Cords of North 21st Street became ill after finding the foul-smelling cloth on her porch. On September 6th and 7th, Miss Frances Smith and Miss Maxine Smith of Moultrie Avenue saw blue vapour and heard a buzzing noise which they believed came from the gassing machinery. On September 13th, Bertha Birch described the gasser as being a woman dressed as a man and found footprints at the scene of her attack. So many reports were coming in of the mad gasser that the local police downgraded the calls. Many of the calls were for something far more minor than gas poisoning and the police felt that they didn't have the resources to tackle each and every incident. On 12th of September, the town's chief of police released a statement saying that the smell had been caused by gas accidentally released by a local diesel factory being wafted into people's homes as a result of wind shifts. Mattoon had simply fallen victim to mass hysteria, police insisted. The state's attorney, William Kidwell, said the hysteria had been fueled by a reporter with a vivid imagination from the local journal Gazette newspaper. In 1959, the opinion of mass hysteria was seconded by psychologist James P. Chaplin and went on to form the basis for several subsequent studies of the phenomena of mass hysteria. There are dozens of mass hysteria events over the years and symptoms include headaches, dizziness, nausea, cramps and fatigue. In 1962, a peak month in factory production, 62 workers at a dressmaking factory in a textile town in the southern United States experienced symptoms including severe nausea and breaking out on the skin in what became known as the June bug outbreak. Most outbreaks occurred during the first shift where four-fifths of workers were female. Of 62 total outbreaks, 59 were women, some of whom believed they'd been bitten by bugs from a factory shipment. So entomologists and others were called in to discover the pathogen but none were found thousands were affected by the spread of a supposed illness in a province of kosovo in march and june 1990 exclusively affecting ethnic albanians most of whom were young adolescents a wide variety of symptoms were manifested including headaches dizziness impeded respiration weakness burning sensation cramps chest pain dry mouths and nausea After the illness had subsided, a bipartisan federal commission released a document offering the explanation of a psychogenic illness. A possible outbreak of mass psychogenic illness occurred at Lee Ray Junior Senior High School in 2011 in upstate New York. 
in which multiple students began having symptoms similar to Tourette syndrome. Various health professionals ruled out such factors as drinking water, contamination, illegal drugs, carbon monoxide poisoning and various other potential environmental or infectious causes before diagnosing the students with a conversion disorder and mass psychogenic illness. Starting around 2009, a spate of apparent poisonings at a girls' schools across Afghanistan began to be reported. Symptoms included dizziness, fainting and vomiting. The United Nations, World Health Organization and NATO's International Security Assistance Force carried out investigations of the incidents over multiple years but never found any evidence of toxins or poisoning in the hundreds of blood, urine and water samples they tested. The conclusion of the investigators was that the girls were experiencing a mass psychogenic illness. But the story of the mad gasser of Mattoon isn't over. It never is. People have been questioning the original theory since the story first broke nearly 80 years ago. In a book published in 2003, a local high school science teacher, Scott Morena, questioned the mass hysteria theory and gave credence to many who came forward with accounts of attacks. His 100-page book presents the facts surrounding the cases, the police investigations and similar events in cities across the US. He then looks at the episode as a perfect example of hysteria. When police led people to believe the reports were mistaken, suddenly calls to the station dropped, possibly, he suggests, from sheer embarrassment, and perhaps because the police chief threatened to arrest anyone who reported a gassing without submitting to a medical exam. This alone, Moreno says, determined people, deterred people from admitting that they'd been gassed. He then examines 11 traits common to mass hysteria, providing factual details to subvert each of these characteristics. For example, most mass hysteria cases involve women, as did the Mattoon gassings. He logically explains, though, that during the height of World War II, Mattoon would have naturally have had more women in residence. Therefore, the victims would obviously have included more females. Finally, he suggested that the alleged mad gasser might have been a town genius. Farley Llewellyn, a chemistry student and outcast who drank too much and who kept a secret laboratory and was known to have experimented with various chemicals. Marana wrote that in a fit brought on by mental instability and years of pent-up rage against a town that would not and could not accept him, Farley tinkered and toyed with various organic solvents in an attempt to create a suitable weapon. But many sociologists and armchair detectives who have pored over newspaper accounts and police records are still sceptical. And with no new leads likely to emerge, there may never be a conclusive answer to the mad gasser of Mattoon's mystery. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the tale of the mad gasser of Mattoon. Was it a real person pumping noxious gases into the homes of slumbering families? Or was it a leak from a nearby factory? No one seems to truly know. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this story, please do check out our website at www.roswellpublishing.co.uk. And until next time, stay spooky.